0: Football, energy drinks, beer, more football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome back to Bink at Night. Jay
3: Binkley, Grant Nicholson, producing the operation. What grades would you give on what Brett Veach has done with this offensive line since last season? Yeah, when it, when it there was. Number one thing he had to do. I'd give him flip like the house a you ninety
4: know? percent, an A, A.
3: That's it's good. Not, it's
4: not an ace. He didn't ace it. A, it's not a hundred percent. So
3: you went from a C minus to an A. Yeah. I mean, that's it's pretty impressive. It's impressive in a classroom. That's impressive anywhere to go from a C minus to an A. Hundred percent agree with you there. Lewis Riddick the other day was talking about the strength of this offensive line. Jeff Saturday did as well, but here was uh, Lewis Riddick. And Max Kellerman on ESPN.
5: I'm going to go with Kansas City simply because of this. It's not just because of Patrick Mahomes. I know that's an easy way, an easy reason to point to, but I think this team has the strongest offensive line in football. They have one of the most talented quarterback in football. They have really right now reconfigured their wide receiver room to the point where I think with the addition of Sky Moore in the draft, And Juju Smith-Schuster control in the middle of the field. Marquez Valdez-Scanling being the kind of deep threat. That is not Tyreek Hill. I get it. He's not. They still have Nicole Hartman. They still have Travis Kelsey. Defensively, they're going to be better as well. The coaching staff remains intact. They drafted very well on defense. Like I don't know how you can count them out right now. The AFC is loaded. We all know that. We talk about it all the time. Take your pick about which team you want, which quarterback you like. But I'm going to go with Kansas City.
2: Yeah, I, uh, listen. I'm going to go with Kansas City until
5: proven otherwise. Also, they host the championship game every single year in the AFC, right? And I understand the Bills are coming, and every year they get closer and closer. And if they get any closer, they've passed them. Day bowl to me, that's a big deal. You lose your OC. I just brought up Sh- uh, Sean Payton. You yep. lose your OC. Good We're just week. assuming everything's okay. Uh, Josh Allen's development mm-hmm. is like the perfect success story year over year. And if that OC is gone, I don't think that's nothing. And then McDuffie and Carloftis for the for the for the uh, 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 Chiefs and the. Draft, I think it's just smart, good, solid yep. defense in the secondary and on the line. And then, you know what, Lewis, in the end, it does come down to this to me. If the question is football and you're, I'm going to go with Mahomes. Like, I'm going with.
3: So there you go, the most dominant offensive line in football. And by the way, Jeff Saturday uh, was on NFL Live today. You know, the former center for the Colts, and he went to the Packers. He called best blocking, uh, pass blocking offensive line, the Chiefs. Allowed just 28 sacks last season, tied for third fewest in NFL. And that's only going to get better. And to have something that was your biggest glaring weakness, worldwide television, across the nation, everybody saw Patrick Mahomes <laughs> run for 8 million yards backwards trying to escape the Buccaneers' defense. And it was priority number one for the Chiefs to fix, and they did. They tried to go out and get Trent Williams. There's only a few left tackles out there. Trent Williams didn't work out. They had a really good shot at Trent Williams. You know, I would have been all for it, but then they got Orlando Brown, a lot younger, but he was playing a lot of right tackle in Baltimore. Ronnie Stanley gets hurt. He moves over to left tackle, and that's coming from the number one rated run offense in the history of the National Football League, so completely different styles of offense there than here. But the theme of the whole draft was guys that did not give up sacks in college like Creed Humphrey or maybe just one or two like Trey Smith or Joe Tooney had a great record in New England, was also the only player in NFL history to start in three straight Super Bowls like he did for the New England Patriots. He symboled a really good offensive line. That veteran leadership with Tooney, bringing Orlando Brown that had some veteran leadership, then you got the rookies and Humphrey. started right away and Trey Smith started right away. And Lucas Niang, after the year off, he was going to get his chance be torn his his patellar uh, patellar tendon, and that takes a little bit uh, of time to come back from, you know, due to his size. And Darian Kennard should step right into the right tackle position for the Kansas City Chiefs, but that really was an unbelievable draft going from that to where they are because that was not good where they were, but the fact is, the Chiefs did strengthen the strength. And not only strengthened the strength, they completely strengthened the strength. And that's one of the best things that they were able to do because that was the toughest thing for the Kansas City Chiefs to do. And I always like going back and looking at the draft grades uh, from the year before. And it's pro football focus on the year before because the Chiefs had six picks for five straight years. And last year, no exception. The toughest year of doing the draft because there was no combine whatsoever but it was a year where they drafted Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Kendo Noah Gray, Powell, and Trey Smith. The initial draft grade was a B plus. Redrafted on pro football focus, A+. Plus. You got three starters. 50% roll there. And who knows? Kando basically got a red shirt from the Chiefs. He did. Cornell Powell ended up on the practice squad. And that's okay because a lot of fifth, sixth, seventh-round receivers, fourth-round receivers even got cut or put on practice squads. Because it just wasn't the body of work out there. No combine. You didn't play non-conference games. When it came to the bowl game where you're playing a non-conference game, a lot of these guys didn't play. But Creed Humphrey turned out to be the best center in the draft. Not only that, he's one of the best centers in the National Football League. Highest-rated offensive lineman. And then Trey Smith is a freaking beast to be drafted in the sixth round. That, honestly, now that Tyree Kill is in Miami, because Tyree Kill being a fifth-round pick, being an elite wide receiver, top-three receiver in the game, that's the best value that Veach has ever – well, Veach didn't draft him, Dorsey did. And then maybe Jared Allen, because Jared Allen was drafted as a long-stamper of Idaho State. But Creed Humphrey is Brett Veach's biggest fine. And he's got some undrafted free agents that have contributed, like Byron Pringle, Darrell Williams, which, by the way, Darrell Williams is now a member of the Arizona Cardinals. I guess uh, the Holmes vouch for him, probably vouch for him for the Cliff Kingsbury. And they'll get to see Darryl. I'm a little bit surprised it took Darryl this long to sign on with the team. He had over 1,000 yards of scrimmage last year. He might have been waiting for a good fit, a little more
4: money. You never know what what goes into these.
3: I I was just surprised it took so long for him because he was such a nice fixture for the Chiefs, catching the ball out of the backfield. I thought his blocking skills were okay. But they give the Chiefs an A plus if you go back and draft that deal. But the most impressive thing is whenever you have a weakness – and you are able to go fix it, and they essentially fixed it through the draft, except for Joe Tooney. And I guess Orlando Brown was a trade. I'm still shocked they get Orlando Brown. I'm still shocked the Chiefs were doing business with the Ravens. I remember last, I guess not summer, but
4: before the draft last year, when we were talking about it, and we are like, "Uh, no chance they'd do Orlando Brown. That was like the the pie-in-the-sky option. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great if? And they traded for him.
3: They did, and I remember bringing Jonah Schaefer on who covers the Ravens and the Baltimore Sun on, like, a Friday. Text line always liked Orlando Brown. And they're like, what about Orlando Brown? And I said, it's great. I would love that, but I, I just can't see the Ravens doing it. Like, I can't see the Ravens trading them to a rival. Like, it didn't make sense to me. Like, the Ravens are trying to get over that Chiefs hump. Now they did. They got over that hump this year when they were still relatively healthy. They beat the Chiefs, and trust me, they celebrated it. But to get him in Kansas City when that was the piece they needed because that didn't exist in the draft. The Chiefs scouting department, you know, they realized that and thought, okay, there's no left tackle in this draft. Sam Cosme, Alex Leatherwood, you know, Liam Eisenberg, all these guys in the last year's draft didn't end up being left tackles. Talking about guard or move the right tackle. And the Chiefs were uncomfortable going through it. They really were limited on option. They really were. Once they didn't get Trent Williams, they could have gone anywhere. They really were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they didn't like the tackles in the draft. The truth that a lot of people had them. I had them go and tackle in the draft because I figured they had to. And, and now that we get those inflated pro day numbers, because there's no combine, so it's all the inflated pro day numbers. But he was taxed, and I think that's really one of those things with the GM—you got to really rate. Of course, you rate trades, which okay, Parker anger for Shavarius Ward—that's an A. Because various Ward turned out to be a starter for you. Parker Anger ended up last year in the Lions practice squad. He's already moved on from Dallas. The Orlando Brown trade was a home run, in my opinion. Because not only did you get Orlando Brown, but you got uh, pick 58, which turned into Nick Bolton. Frank Clark trade, say what we want, but they were able to win a ring with it. Postseason, Frank is, what, fifth all-time in sacks. You know, the production hasn't been on their field. I He needs to bring it this year. Like He really needs to bring his. A game this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. But this year was about rebuilding that secondary. They're going to have to address the tight end position at some point. And I know Jody Fortson's here. They bring back Blake Bell. Still hoping for more from Noah Gray. But Travis Kelsey is such a big part of this offense. Like, that really concerns me. And, And luckily, knock on wood, the Chiefs have had a healthy Travis Kelsey. It's averaged 99 catches the last four years. Like, that's... A real fortunate thing, how good he is. He actually has more yards than Devontae Adams since 2016. Isn't that insane? Leads all tight ends, wide receiver, and catches. That's why George Kittle went on with uh, Florio, Pro Football Focus, talk, talking about how some tight ends deserve wide receiver money. I did not know he had more yards than Devontae Adams. That's, no, he does. That's impressive. And DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones... He's got more yards than anybody since uh, the last five years. Because they were talking about that tight end university that they've all started with Olsen and Kell. That would be a hell of a lot of fun, to be honest with you, a tight end university. Go out there and get some big dudes running some routes. Well, they had to move to Vanderbilt. They, They originally wanted to get 25 guys. And then last year, ballooned up to like 49. This year, they're talking about like 80 guys. I mean, you're picking the brains of the best in the business. Because all the great tight ends are there. And tight ends are kind of just fancy wide receivers now anyways. But the salary, like the franchise tag on is like $10 million. And Travis is at like 12 or something, isn't well, he? He's at 14 but receivers, the tag for receivers is like $18.4 million. And now you see reser- receivers getting this $26, 28 and $30 million. And you're thinking about Travis Kelsey still has to do the blocking as well. Yet he's putting up more yards than anybody else in the NFL at any position from that tight end position. Six straight years and 1,000 yards. It doesn't get much much better than him and what he's doing. But, yeah, Travis Kelsey, 7,269 yards. Devontae Adams, number two, 7,192. Julio Jones, 7,129 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, 7,048. Mike Evans, 7,044. So, that's a pretty high company for one Travis Kelsey and what he's doing. Completely high-character type stuff. Regardless, coming back, though, J.J. Piccolo yesterday on Cody and Gold kind of addressed when is the right time to bring players up. And Denny Matthews, you said, don't let two losses become eight or nine, plus some more Jim Duquette that should put a smile on your face next.
0: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
5: How powerful is Cox Internet?
3: And welcome back to Big and I, Jay Binkley. Grant Nicholson, producing the operation. You know what, Grant? We have uh, we have safe textures. You know that? Why is that? We really do. Um, from the eight one six sounds. It looks like uh, this was uh, done by voice to text. Would you take a flowers on Trey Flowers Bank spelled B and K? So I take that as voice. Hell, we all do that. All the time. It all it looks, the time. It looks like crap. I voice text all the time. I don't even look, just send it. The worst part is when it changes what you just said and it changes it and changes it back. So you got to send it kind of when it bounces in between them. So I hit him up and said, uh, No, the injuries scare me because he st- only started 12 games the last two years. And then I get an automated response and it says, This is an automated message. I am driving right now and I'll respond as soon as I finish my trip powered by truce. so it's a safe driver but he did send us a message while not being safe you don't know that maybe he was at. maybe he was at the gas station i responded right away man but maybe he was at
4: the qt he fired it off and then flicked his switch or whatever so he could get in the truck i don't know so you're saying we have safe texters i'm giving the guy the benefit of the
3: doubt all right i think he was safe the whole time safe texters we've got some interesting text you should have been here on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Woo-hoo. I used to do the show when I first got here, and they had me doing all chief stuff, all chief stuff. He just texted that he's here. <laughs> but we get this, my friend. When I drive, it locks. All right, I'll te- try to text you again. Okay, test. See if I get it back. He's still there. I appreciate you being there, but I'm texting you back to see if I get the same automated message. See, I like to have fun with people.
4: Yes. Marine. Look, he says, I sent it before ah, I drove. That's what I'm talking is. about.
3: Here it is. I get another automated message. But right before that, he said, I sent it before I drove. Then how can he text us when he's driving, but yet we can't text him? Uh, maybe. Like, I feel bad that I'm not being safe here, but yet he's texting into a radio station being unsafe. He says he sent it before he drove. We still driving, drive. That's now. what he said. I sent it before anybody. Maybe he hasn't turned it off. Maybe he didn't turn it off. Was he still driving now? Maybe he didn't turn it off because they just sent him a message and got. I said test. We don't know test, and I get the other. You got to give him the message. benefit of the doubt. But anyway, you should have seen it. So when I first started, it was all chief stuff, training camp. But it training camp shows every Saturday and Sunday, and a lot of times people forget. Like six tens, the last person they texted. Have you ever texted the wrong person, yeah, every day. So you text the wrong person. And it could be bad or it could not be bad. It's just Sometimes people are like, huh, what are you talking about? But you should have seen some of the uh, gems that we got. What's the best one? Oh. What's one that sticks out? He's not home. Come on over, baby. No way. You did not. <laughs> no, he did too. No, you did not. He did too. Hey, baby, you coming over tonight? That guy was pranking you. No, I would prank the back. No, dude, he was like two or three in the morning. No way. Oh, they were they were booty calls, the man. The Friday night ones. The text line was turned into booty call line. At eight thirty, the yeah. guy's like, it was, was in a slump. A, and then at three o'clock, he's like, Hey, baby, come over. But we'll get some innocent ones too. Like, Hey, baby, you mind stopping and getting some bread and milk on the way home? And I always respond to us. Is why work at six ten? But yeah, I mean, where would you want it? Where would you want it dropped off at? Can you meet me or like? I'll, I'll have fun with them. You know, just let them know you're texting six ten because I feel bad about it because. You know, they, they think they're texting, quote, baby, and they texted the radio station so dude wasn't going to come home with the milk and bread. You know, I should let him know that, right? It's a you responsible yeah. thing to do because, quote, baby doesn't know that he needs to get bread and milk. So in that regards, I had to be, you know, baby. <laughs> Jay, baby Binkley. Well, I, I just try to help people
4: out, man. Hey, you did the right thing. I'm not saying you didn't do the right thing.
3: I mean, we've got some really, really raunchy ones, too. And I guarantee you they didn't mean the Texas Sports Station. Guarantee it. You
4: don't think that there's some of them where they were just like.
3: No, not the way these were. I mean, they're they're stuff I can't even Was it a whole
4: conversation
3: or is it just one text message? Dude, text messages. Dude, sometimes people are pranking you. Dude, we get some clear two or three pranks in, the in here. Uh, I understand that, but two and three in the morning, not buying it. But then I'd always respond to it. And I'd get a, like a text back, said, oh, "Oh man, I'm sorry, you were the wrong person." So
4: I'd I wonder. Get I don't have. Back. I don't have the text line number saved on my phone, so I'm sure a lot of people don't have. you well, know, I don't illicit numbers saved I don't e- too.
3: I don't either because I don't really. I don't text, but if it was the last text you made, the six ten, and you're sitting there going back and forth with your wife or whatever, or husband and or whatever, and you hit, you know. Your Texans hot sports take to your wife. <laughs> and you meant to send it to us. I mean it happens, but now we're going to a new line. So this will help all the confusion, hopefully, with some of this. But some of this stuff's pretty raunchy. I'll tell you about it on the break. But there's a lot better stuff than what I mentioned to you. I kept it as about as PG as I could. But we'll get stuff all the time, and you've seen it. Well, you'll start seeing a lot more now that you're doing Royals. You'll see it a lot more on the weekends where people are texting what the national show said.
4: Our guy texted back in. He said, I send messages when I'm at lights or in traffic. I can't text and drive, nor do I condone it. Thank you guys for all you do.
2: Well, you know, see, look, you that's know, a,
4: safe driver, right I, that's a what, safe driver right there. That's a safe driver.
3: Thank you for being a safe driver. And thank you for doing it to stop light. Just remember, put that phone right back down because there's nothing more annoying than the person in front of you texting when the light turns green. You You never have to send a text that quick. It is never that important. It's never that important. Never. It's never that important. And I think people forget sometimes we're doing sports radio. We're not doing heart surgery.
4: Like the patient's please, not dying. Please don't text us while you're driving about the defensive line.
3: Just don't do it. And just save it to when you get home or the bar Take or five whatever. minutes and get where you're going. Because we'll get it. We're on till nine. So if you have a hot take, and if we don't get to it, maybe Fesco in the morning will get to it tomorrow. But if we don't get to it tonight, which I try to, if, if you have something to say, I like to send it, but uh we'll be like making you smile. So thank you for being a safe texture. And we have some texter that goes on his four-wheeler at night. And he gets all loaded up, listens to the app, and texts in. <laughs> See, those are my people, man. You didn't believe
4: him. I th- I knew he was being safe. I knew he was being safe, and you didn't believe him.
3: You were right. You were right. But I was Let's texting school. him back and it kept getting an automatic message that he was driving. And I was trying to respond to his Trey Flowers comment. <laughs> And you're out on flowers. Too many injuries. Yeah, only twelve games started the last two years, bro. I kind of have to, but this Royals season has been uh, mm, absolutely uh, miserable at this point. There's no other way to put it. To be quite honest with you, you can't you can't really say anything nice. And I know they know as well. You know that front office knows as well. But Denny Matthews uh, joins Carrington Harrison did yesterday. Usually joins him every Monday, but couldn't do it Monday. Did yesterday, and this is so true. How do you not let those two losses, which at that point, it was the loss on Sunday where they, where they had a six run lead, the four run lead the next night in Arizona, lost them both. And the comment was from that day. And it's the first time ever, well, not first time ever, but first time since 2008, which is 14 years ago, they lost back to back games with having four run leads. I remember when the Royals <laughs> would have four run leads and you wouldn't touch them, man. You wouldn't touch them. HDH would come in, done. There were times, Grant, I figured you and I and anybody else could manage this team. I like Joe Torre sometimes with those Yankee teams. Like you just coach, it, just throw Rivera in there, game over. Like with Ned Yost, you just get a six-run lead, <laughs> HDH, you know what I'm saying? And they weren't scoring on you. And everybody knew it too. That's why the Giants waited, waited, waited to get that lead to put Mad Bum in. Because they knew the game was over with the Royals if you let them hang around. Knew it was.
4: And, I mean, there were times you had one-run leads, and I felt safe. I did, like too. Like, going into the seventh inning, going into the eighth inning, it's like, all right, we got them. I don't even
3: feel good with the four-run lead now. We just, They just blew a six-run lead. Hit a four-run and a three-run. It's the worst bullpen ERA-wise. Not the American League, all the major leagues. But here was Denny Matthews on not letting one or two losses, which is three now, which is actually six in a row, turn into eight or nine.
2: A solid start from the pitcher. Uh, the stopper, remember they used to call the guy that would uh, come in and pitch very well after a four- or five-game losing streak and stop the losing streak. And we thought maybe Grinke would be the guy last night, but it didn't work out that way. That was kind of disappointing because Zach obviously has the credentials. He has the experience, but uh, it didn't work. And uh, so, yeah, you need uh, you need your starting pitchers to – to get together and, and really give your offense a chance to to win the game for you. And, again, I always go back to our defense, Carrington, because all the darn walks that have popped up and really hurt the team. And walking people with, in my opinion, one of the two best defenses in all of baseball behind you, walking people. There's no defense against the walk. Your infielders and outfielders are standing there watching the the pitcher give out a free ticket to base runners, and it's always, obviously, more difficult to play defense with runners on base than when the bases are clean. So that's the thing that's, that's been disappointing, too, the number of walks, and especially leadoff walks. And walks, well, any time is a bad time for a walk, but uh, two out walks, leadoff walks have really hurt the team, and uh, that's been a disappointment.
3: And yeah, they left 13 on base the other day. I mean, just and then the walks. They're starting to bounce up for the Royals. But here was when J.J. Piccolo, the Royals general manager, was on with Cody and Gold. He was asked when the right time is to bring somebody up again. Reminder, Grant uh, Rob was in here earlier when I brought this up. Pascatino went five for seven today in two home runs. He's hitting about 296 now, right? What they always say is, you don't have to ask baseball players. They tell you when they're ready. MJ was hitting 167, but he came up here for necessity, and he's been good at the major league level. Here's JJ, and when's the right time to bring a player up to the pros?
7: Yeah, it's always been difficult because you just don't know how a player is going to respond when they get to the major leagues. Uh, But for whatever reason right now, you know, it's become even more challenging. Uh, We don't think the – you know, essentially, what's happening is the veteran player, the 32 to 35 year old player that may be in AAA that still can help a major league team for a month or so. There's there's fewer players like that, so the young hitters don't face the veteran pitching that you would typically see in AAA, and vice versa. You know, so there's that that gap is greater. Uh, but then you you look at a situation like an MJ Melendez. You know, the story is far from written. But MJ was not swinging the bat particularly well, but because he's on the roster, you know, we do believe in him as a, as a player. You know, because of an injury, MJ gets a chance to come up, and MJ's competing really well. So you know, that's why it's really difficult uh, to try to figure out exactly when a player is ready uh, to, you know, to, to compete in the major leagues at, at a good enough level that they're not defeated and they lose confidence.
3: You know, and since they've done that contraction, it's much different. So, yeah, there is a gap between AA and AAA. The other nice thing about today was, Grant, and I, I can't really get too excited about it because I want to see him do it here. Guess who the pitcher today was. And all this happened early. It was an early game that the Royals had. And even Vern tweets out, <laughs> Vinny Pascatino has two home runs before your lunch. My, Jackson that- Kowar pitched five scoreless innings with nine Ks. So the guys you want to see do well did. Prado had a couple hits in the game. Struck out a couple times, but he had a couple hits in the game. But Melendez has hit 259-3 bombs in Kansas City. And I told Dustman the other night when he's up here doing Royals, I said, watch him come like water down to Melendez. Like, we we'll just watch him start flowing. The home run's flowing. Like, would I be surprised if he caught Bobby Witt Jr. soon? No, he's only two behind him. You know, Sal's sitting up there with six. I, I think this team does have some power. I do. And I think more power is coming down from Omaha. The power's a lot of the young guys, exactly. You're right. It's the young guys. Lose with the young, but the thing that gets me is <laughs> the pitching. You need the pitching. And we don't need Coar to dominate at AAA. He's got to start doing it here. That's the beautiful thing about Brady Singer. Like this isn't going back to Omaha and doing it. He is dominating at the professional level. He was decent down the stretch last year, but now he's developed that third pitch and the changeup, and it's been much different. What about Vinny Pascantino and Nick Prado? When can we expect to see them?
7: Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna eye this year at some point, but we do have to feel confident that they're completely ready for it. You know, Nick is on the roster, so he's less complicated than than Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, we certainly wouldn't let the roster situation, you know, dictate whether Vinny comes up or, or not. But you know, with with Nick being on the roster, it, it is a little bit easier transactionally. Uh, they're both they're both playing well. They're different types of hitters. Uh, Nick's going Nick's to provide some slug and maybe a few more homers. You know, there are some things we still feel like he needs to improve on. You know, Vinny is more of a, you know, he's unbelievable with his, his strikeouts to walk ratio, especially considering how big of a guy he is. He tends to use the whole field really, really well. Um, so there's there's a lot of good things that he's doing. You know, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, this is his first year in AAA and he only had half a year in A. Um, so, and then going back and piecing together what we just talked about a few minutes ago, you know, the level of competition. So trying to balance those evaluations is a little bit tricky, uh, but they are two guys that we expect to help our club, you know, in, in the near future. We just don't have a, you know, a date a target date that we want them up this date or that date. We just let it play out.
3: So we'll see them sometime by July. I think it's gonna be great when they get up here They'll have that app done by then, so maybe there'll be a reason to buy the app. <laughs> I guess I hope. Just they're fourteen twenty eight, man. I didn't see this two years ago. Did you see it two years ago? Like I didn't see this at all coming from where they are. And Dan Duquette, you know that was on with uh, Fesco this morning. You know he talked about do you see this team now like he did then, and JJ Piccolo addressed that too, like two years ago. Where did you think this team would be in its progression? But more of Dan Duquette next.
0: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Selling a little
6: or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
3: this is tony kornheiser show i'm tony we expected someone else Welcome back to Big Night, J.B. Binkley, Grant Nicholson. Tell me something I don't know, Grant. Tell me something I don't know. Anything. Right now? Anything. Could yeah. be K State related, could be anything. Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I like to learn new stuff. I just found out that, uh, listen to the festival in the morning of the other day, that Chillicothe was home with, uh, of sliced bread. Is that's that word, that's true? Word origi- that's where it originated, they say. Chillicothe, Missouri. It's the original. Did you look that up, or did you just take what Bob said at face value? No, I looked it up. Okay. I looked it up. Bob would never lie. Okay.
4: I, I mean, I don't have anything new to tell you, but I will. If you're bored one evening, I know you get bored in the evening sometimes. Uh, this
3: is true. True statement. If you have
4: an Apple TV Plus, you watch this new dinosaur show, Prehistoric Planet. I've been watching this lately with my roommate, learning a lot of good stuff,
3: learning a lot of stuff about the dinosaurs. You know, I'm not into dinosaurs that much. Okay. I mean, I've seen Jurassic Park and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, but this, it's like a, it's like a. Like an educational show. It's not like exciting.
3: Now I do watch educational stuff, by the way.
4: Yeah, this is like just teaching you about dinosaurs.
3: I watch a lot of history channel. Military history channel. I'm addicted to that. Um I watch a lot of stuff like that. World War II in color. That's a good one. Yeah, you like watching that stuff too, the old World War II stuff. Or on uh, military channel, they have the dogfights. fights. So you like the way they do the animation with it, and they have the uh, you know, the pilots from the
4: are you gonna to watch Top Gun Maverick if you like dog fights?
3: Absolutely, I, I love nice. dog fights. Nice. Or battles at sea, tank battles. I've started watching this show, and it is it is a sport. I because I was trying to think one day because everybody says that old thing I do is watch sports, which there's a lot of truth to that. Is uh, Street Outlaws the drag racing? Like I do like a good drag race. I don't know if you watch any of that, but I am hooked on the show.
4: I'm not, I'm not big on the drag racing stuff. I'm not. I
3: mean, it's on for like three hours every It's Monday. enjoyable to watch, though. Yeah, it's their own money, their own cars. I'd like to whatever. go to a
4: live drag race sometime
3: soon. Oh, dude, go go to Harlem Park up in Topeka. Yeah? You would love it. Go, At to, their, go to a NASCAR event as well. Okay. Go to, go to Harlem Park and just watch some drag. I'll go with you. I, I almost went racing.
4: to the NASCAR race a couple weeks ago. Oh, did
3: you? You would have been proud of me, but I had previous previous obligations. But I, I love a good drag race. It's fun. You know This is going to be silly, and you're not going to believe me. But I have a uh, a special friend. I went to the uh, Van Gogh exhibit. I think I might have told you this I think you told
4: me this on Sunday. That is,
3: like, totally out of my realm. Totally. But you know what? I did it. Because you know what I like to do? Broaden my horizons. Broaden my horizons. Be a well-rounded individual. That's what I like.
4: Did you learn something new over there?
3: Sure. Nice. I was immersed by the whole thing. They have it on the floor. They've got it all over the place. It's kind of cool, actually. You're going to get into art now? No.
4: Going to start going to all the galleries? No. Breaking it down?
3: Probably not. Probably not, but I did uh, vastly enjoy that. So I will do do other stuff. But I'll check out that. i watch watch MLB Network, stuff like that, but I do bounce around. Like um, There's at least every night I'm watching Military Channel at some point. Military History Channel. That's the one, and I really enjoy it. Um, JJ Piccolo also spoke on, where did he think the Royals two years ago, two years ago. So what was the trajectory that he thought the Royals would be on
7: now? Well, I think we looked at this year a lot like, you know, going from 2012 into 2013, where you want to be more competitive. You want to win games. You want, you want to be in some sort of race. You want to be in a, a, you know, whether it's a wild card or the divisional title, um, so, you know, we, we still view it that way. You know, we have to make strides as, a, as an organization. We have to make strides with individual players to put ourselves in a position to compete at a higher level. Um, so we still look at it like we're in more so in, in that phase, somewhere between 12 and 13 uh, we still have guys that are gonna be on this major league team that are in the minor leagues. So I think twenty thirteen, just about everybody that was going to be part of a a championship type of run uh was already up. Uh, you know, maybe with the exception of Yordano Ventura. I think maybe he came up you know later in thirteen. Uh, but but the guys that were on the field, you know, in fourteen and fifteen were all on the field in thirteen and we're just not quite there yet. There's some guys that we feel need more time in the minor leagues. We're going to give them that time. And uh, once we get them all on the field, I think it'll, it'll you know, more closely resemble to what it did in, at the end of 2013 and then headed into 14.
3: So here's uh, Dan Duquette, the former GM of the Mets, was in the front office of the Orioles, Sirius XM Radio. Great interview he had with Fesco in the morning. You can check it out the podcast page, 610sports.com. Uh, Who else is tradable with the Royals? And you, know, you talk about Salvador Perez. We do Salvador Perez first. This is what he says if he traded Salvador Perez.
5: He should. He he absolutely should. You know, the, the, here's here's the thing with with the Royals. Like I always felt like when they're going through this rebuild and they've been going, going you know, they've gone through this now in two phases, right, with this with this front office and they've done it they've done a good job and they did a good job the last time so you're you're kind of going through that assumption that that they know how they know what they're doing, they can figure it out again. Uh, so, do you feel like this team is a year away, or is it three years away? Right. And so, if you trade Salvi, then you're going you're likely going through, I don't know, uh, at least two years and maybe three years of of a rebuild. And you know, are you willing to go kind of go through that? I know the front office doesn't feel that way. It's a fair question, and I think that from from my perspective, Salvi would should get. A haul, You know, and, and I know, um, you know, that some of the well, we know he plays every day when he's healthy. He's the guy's been uh, one of the top catchers, as you mentioned, in the sport. So and there's not a lot of good catching that that goes out there and plays 140 or more games every single year. So he's the guy that should get it. You know, the one one issue, obviously, you have is he's had a couple of kind of injuries that, that Nick Nick. Um, him up and he doesn't perform well with, with a, on the defensive metrics which is a lot of these front offices these days are putting more emphasis on so i think he'd get a ton he should get a ton um but you know that's one of those that if you if you shop him, you're you're looking at probably a three year another three years of a rebuild
3: well what do you when you say a ton like what could you realistically get back for a
1: player like salvi who has after this year i think three more years or whatever it is remaining on that contract
5: well, so so with you know with the contract at, um, and his productivity, you you cannot trade him without getting a first. You know the the, the headliner would be a top a top prospect, you know, a top ten prospect in the sport. But you're really looking at if you're going to an organization, you got to find somebody that's willing to give up. Maybe not a you know the second one would be a, a, another maybe lower. Uh, number eight, number nine, uh, type of prospect, and then you're probably getting two others. You're probably getting a, 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 a haul of four prospects, two that have to be like no doubt major leaguers. If if you can't get that in a deal, then you can, I don't think you can trade them.
3: No, you can't unless you get a haul. We'll discuss that more. Also, nine one three five seven six seven six ten J Southland Toast Service text line. Would you be willing to trade Salvador Perez? Because I do think this is a little bit different than Tyree Kill. Explain next.
0: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Six ten Sports Radio.
3: And welcome back to Bank at Night, Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson, producing. Don't forget Wednesday, June eighth, we'll be sitting in the stands at the K. See the Royals take on the Blue Jays. If you want to sit with everyone at 610 Sports Radio, stop by um, one of the great locations, like the Peanut. Go to the Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat sign. Scan the QR code. You never know what can happen. You could be out there sitting with us and look forward to that. Grant Salvador Perez. Here's the difference between him and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Kill is about the big contract. It was about you're not going to make him the highest paid receiver in the NFL. And it shocked us all. Shocked us all when the Chiefs traded Tyree Kill. Salvi's different, though. Because I do think that brings more of a, a natural attack. I think people are attached to Tyree Kill, don't get me wrong. But I think people are attached to Chris Jones. I think they're definitely attached to Patrick Mahomes. So much so they'd watch a video documentary every morning of him brushing his teeth. And they're definitely involved with Travis Kelsey. But Salvador Perez, he's like that remnant from the championship teams. That was the World Series MVP in 2015. So much so when they move the stadium downtown, Grant, which I think they'll do, there needs to be a statue of Salvador Perez in the outfield. Add him to the statues they have, the ever-flowing bucket of water. Hell, even get Gatorade to sponsor or Powerade or something, slap their logo on it. But ever-flowing. Because we're the city of fountains, so you're taking the fountains involved with that. And people can stick their heads under 100-degree weather and have a good time. But to me, Grant, that just makes a ton of sense. But people love them. I remember all the people lined up and went to Westport to get selfies in front of the Salvi statue. I think that's a good idea. The ever-flowing water bucket's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. I
4: I don't think I'd trade him. I, I mean, I get that it might be good for the team or whatever. Like I know you can get some prospects back, accelerate the rebuild, but but I'm really I've got a soft spot for the 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 hero that sticks around that plays for one team his whole career, and I don't know I love those type of stories where you know he's the veteran that's that's around forever.
3: Yeah, I mean, but it's like that last remnant, like the last piece you're yeah. hanging on to. You're sitting there watching, you know, Moose playing it different uniform, Hosmer's playing the for old the Podgers, guard, yeah. Kane's playing for Brewers, but Salvy's here. Like, it's Salvi's not going anywhere. And I remember sitting in New York in 2015. It was a pregame press conference I had. There it was during the World Series. And Hosmer was up there. And I remember asking him, you know, do you guys ever sit and think about, like, your, your, just your part in Royals history? Because that 85 Royals team is celebrated all the time. It's like when I was doing the Royals insider stuff, you know, I'd bring on Buddy Lana, you know, guys like that, just to talk about the old days. Or Willie Wilson getting a phone call to talk about, you know, the 85 Royals. And now it's become the 2015 Royals to wear in the radio in the next three, four years when all these guys are retired, like Gordo, Ned, guys like they call them, to reminisce. Reminisce about the championship year in 2015. And they'll always be popular. When the Royals have different reunions in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, these guys are still going to be popular, even though they finished in different uniforms. Fans still love Kane. They still love Moose. They still love Haas. You know, they still love all these guys. But Perez is your own guy. He's still here. Not only that, his just his value with the pitching staff. Like he's a true leader with this team. But if it did make this team better, you should always listen to whoever. I think there's two guys right now on this team that are untradeable. And one of them is not named Salvador Perez. It's Bobby Wood Jr. and MJ Melendez. Those to me are the calls you don't take. Those are the calls when you get them, you say, sir, this is a Wendy's and you hang the phone up. You're taking calls on Daniel Lynch too? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. Well, I mean, I'm not going to just get rid of them. It's got to be for price. You know, anything is whatever you're selling. Anything is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. You may think that the hot, hot rod in your car is worth 20,000. But then someone comes up to you and says, man, I'll give you $35,000 for it right now. And you had no intention of selling it. You had no intention of selling a GTO. No intention at all. It's your baby. You love it. You work on it every weekend. You take it off a ride. You have no intention of selling it. But if you did, you'd sell it for like $20,000. But somebody comes up to you with the cash offer of $35,000. You would have to seriously think about that. It's almost twice what you thought it was worth, right? And you might actually sell it. Even though it's your prized possession, right? Would you would you consider it? I mean, I guess
4: in the scenario that you present, you would have to consider it. You gotta consider it.
3: You gotta consider it.
4: But if we do that, then isn't there a price that you would consider for either those other two guys, Bobby Witt and MJ? No. If we just play the hypothetical game forever,
3: no, I don't think so. I mean. Because to me, that's the future. To me, that's what people hang their hats on. I know they hang their hats on Salvador Perez. Again, they take a major PR hit by trading Salvador Perez, but you're losing with them. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're losing with them. It's like the Angels are finally having a decent year. They're 10 games over 500, but they've got MVPs. <laughs> they've got Trout and Otani that have a collection of MVPs, you know, but they, but they haven't been in the postseason together. Trout has, but he hadn't won a game in the postseason because the Royals swept them. My point is is kind of also that like I think there's other moves to make before you trade
4: Salvador Perez. I think
3: so too. I think so like too. I think
4: that that is down the line a little bit.
3: And Brad Keller, would you trade Brad Keller? Yeah, I mean that's knowing one, what you need in pitching. That's one I'd be more, I would consider more. Okay. Well, Ben Attendee is going to be a guy that's going to be tradable, but he's going to be a rental player, which doesn't bring you as much in return. Here's Duquette, Dan Duquette, the former GM of the Mets. Front office of the Orioles on Sirius uh, XM Baseball asked who else is tradable with the Royals.
5: Well, I I don't, I don't know if his window is closed necessarily uh, for me. I I think that you know Merrifield's a guy that I think will will figure it out and get get himself maybe not to where he normally is in his you know career numbers, but I think that you know it's not unreasonable to think that he can't. Uh, rebound and get himself back to, you know, a qual- this, I mean, it's hard to find quality guys who, who do what Merrifield do, does at either second base or the outfield. So I think he would be the other guy that I would look at. And it's a reasonable contract. And then you got to decide if, you know, Ben Attendee's a guy, you know, I wouldn't move him. I thought that was a really good trade for yeah. Kansas city. I try to lock him up, you know, and, and, and bring, you know, and try to keep him in the fold again, under the idea that, you know, this year, you know, you took a little bit of a step backwards, but you're hoping that in the second half it's going to look a lot better and you can kind of look at saying, all right, we're, we're going to be in the division mix, you know, next year. Here, here's the thing. It, I don't think it's going to take much money for Kansas City to spend to get to, uh, you know, the, let's say be competitive for a wild card spot or even the division. Like, I, you know, Cleveland is going in the other direction. Obviously, Minnesota has taken a, you know, a, a giant step Forward, but that's the level that I think you could expect at Kansas City. Maybe not going out and getting a Correa, but but you know, signing a, a player of significance, kind of to anchor anchor that team. And I think if they did that, I think you'd see a better a better uh, a better product on the field.
3: So, which free agent would you look for, Dan, next year for the Royals?
5: You know what? I'd have to look at the free agent market. You know, uh, coming up. Sure. I know that there's a couple of shortstops. You know. Um, couple short shortstops that on this past market that I would have been uh, trying to look for and not necessarily looking at, you know, a guy like my, if, if you felt Whit junior was going to be a third baseman, I wasn't going to necessarily buy into Montesy staying healthy. So, you know, I, like a Trevor story, like player, you know, Mike Bogarts is going to be, I think a, a, a shortstop that opts out. I don't think you're going to be able to get him, but it'd be, you know, there, there are, I mean, if you look at what Correa signed for, right. One hundred and ten million, I think it was over three years. that's that is more than in a, in an opt out after one year. There's no reason why Kansas City couldn't afford a player like that if you're if you are you know at that point where you can win. Uh, same thing with Trevor story. That's not an expensive contract. Those are the two guys that obviously with the ability of hindsight, um, you go, well, yeah, that there are two guys that would fit perfectly there in Kansas City. So every single year, it seems like there's one or two guys like that. Um, and so that's where I would try to, to, to focus. Um, I per- personally, I would look at someone in, somewhere in the outfield, you know, uh, I think that's the other area where you can find some value, but, uh, I'd have to look at the free agent market to kind of give you a sense of it. And I think it's just being more opportunistic, um, in being in that right spot where, Hey, this guy's available. He's coming off a down year. I'll give you a guy, Michael Conforto mm-hmm. who, you know, had the injury. It's going to sign for a one-year deal. Maybe it's a two-year deal uh, to Kansas City you know, with an opt-out. But there's no reason why you couldn't attract in talent like that um, coming off of a down year in uh, in Kansas City. So there, there's there's at least one guy that I finally came up with.
3: So there you go. There's Dan Duquette. Uh, I would like to hear from you, though. Jay Southland Toe Service text line for one more day. It's going to change numbers tomorrow. 913-576-7610. Or you can give us a call at the same number, 913 913- Five seven six seven six ten. That's going to change, by the way, as well. But we'll go back to football for just a second because I think I finally found a reason why the owners are going to get really upset. Discuss that next.
0: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Six ten Sports Radio.
5: How powerful is Cox Internet?